Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Saturday morning, it's Drive Time Radio, 1150 KKNW in the Northwest and uh, around the world. On uh, We broadcast live to you on uh, uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube and uh, whatever other social media is out there, not Twitter. Boy, have you ever seen something like is going on on twitter this week the car companies are pulling out the media companies are pulling out uh the, the people that work there are pulling out i mean it's like it's nuts it's nuts it's uh it, i mean it, it really you're watching the destruction of uh, a company and of course it's relative to drive time because uh, the guy that's destroying it is the guy who built uh tesla in this country and is uh, well, his people that work for him, I don't think that he is personally responsible for the electric car boom, but the company uh, that he owns is uh, the people that worked for him as engineers are because they designed a car that is uh, able to uh, be a mass produced electric car. And Maybe the largest selling car in the world. Well, I don't want to say the largest selling car in the world. Probably still one brand, Toyota or something like that. But certainly has changed the balance of what is going on in the automotive world. Uh, you know, before Tesla came along, we weren't talking about electric cars in the sense that we are now. Uh, most of the electric car stories were failures. Uh, there were experiments. There were some cars produced. Maybe the most famous here in the United States was the, uh, the EV1 from General Motors, which uh, Michael Moore did a whole film on, Who Killed the Electric Car? Uh, it's, it's funny to me now to look at that film and go back and think about um, the, uh, you know, the, how people were just scorning at General Motors for killing the electric car. And, you know, it's funny because I know people that are in that film and uh, have, have a couple of friends that are in that film. And, you know, it took more than one person to kill the electric car. But let's face it, they did not kill the electric car. Uh, the electric car is something that's time was coming. It just had to be the right time. And Elon Musk, uh, whether he meant to do it or not, changed the landscape on that. Now he's changing the landscape on social media. Uh, all of a sudden, other social media sites are, uh, what is it, uh, Mastodon, I think, is the one that I looked at this week. Now, uh, let me bring in Nathan for a second, because he's he knows more about things young than I do. Uh, Nathan, good morning. Good morning, Vinny. Great to be back. Good to see you, Ben. Welcome home. Your your trip to Yakima, a wild success because you didn't get arrested. Yes, exactly. And didn't uh, spin out or anything going over I-90. There you go. So that, that was a uh, that right there is a beautiful thing. Um, let me quickly ask you about social media. You're into social media. You know what's going on or uh, your friends and people, you know, just like jumping off of Twitter or wait and see or what's going on. I've never really been a Twitter user, but I have heard about that new Mastodon platform, and it's interesting how it's going to go if it's going to take over Twitter. You know, we had the whole thing with MySpace, and then Facebook just completely erased MySpace. So I right. wonder if we're going to see another shift in social media, you know, what's that, uh, big, big dogs. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, I think that... Uh... Certainly, people are not happy with the way Musk has uh, gone into Twitter like a, a you know a, a bull moose man just running through the place and goring people as he goes. Uh, but it, it's it's strange in that so many people have invested so much in Twitter, not necessarily monetarily, but police departments, fire departments, uh, government agencies, all now use Twitter to get their message out to people. Uh, people have built careers on being social media managers, you know, getting the message out. How do you put the message <laughs> of the corporation 
in so many words. And those same corporations are now backing away from Twitter. All of a sudden, you don't see the number of ads you saw before. The car companies are, you know, they don't know if they wanted their product associated with it or not. They're, they're kind of in that space, you know, of, uh, of, well, we'll sit back and see what happens. But right now, it's not a good look. So it'd be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. While I got you, man, um, may as well ask you the magic question now because we got a, a loaded show. We're going to go down to the LA Auto Show in just a couple of minutes with John Vincent. But uh, is there something you'd like to you'd like to ask me, Nathan? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. I thought you'd never ask. You know, you were you were gone last week. And, um, well, you didn't really, because we were live at the auto show. So we didn't do a big, yo, Vinny, we didn't do a big production because that's, it's, it's now turned into kind of a Nathan thing. You know, it almost could have been a big production because with all those cars there, you get to get the opportunity to to test drive. I could be saying like, yo, Vinny, what are all the cars you're driving this week? Well, how come you didn't think about that before you went away instead of when you come back? (laughs) You know, a little slow on the thinking there. Yeah, no, I don't know, Nathan. You're going to have to educate me. I'm just a dumb old guy, you know? Uh, (laughs) I I don't know. All right, what am I driving this week, you asked? Well, it's pretty easy to answer that question because it's just sitting right out here in the driveway, and I'm very, very pleased uh, to be driving this vehicle uh, this week. I am driving the uh, 2022 Mercedes-Benz C300 formatic. Um, <laughs> uh, I had my uh, the, the C300 formatic, um, just a uh, uh, four door sedan that is tricked out with the AMG. It doesn't have an AMG engine, but it's got uh, the AMG uh, trim. And the pinnacle trim, so it's the top of the line um, uh, formatic pinnacle. So it's all-wheel drive. It has the pinnacle, which steps everything up. It's loaded with the AMG line, the sound package, the multimedia package, uh, which is one of the great navigation systems of all time. It does everything by voice. All you got to do is hit the button and say, Mercedes, boom, do this. And it does it. Mercedes, do this. And it doesn't. Mercedes do this. Mercedes do this. Mercedes do this. Mercedes don't do this. And um, (laughs) so as sports sedans go, uh, this is a pretty rapid little car. Uh, It has the uh, inline four uh, turbo engine with the nine speed automatic. It cranks out 255 on the horsepower and moves along quite briskly. It uh, it really does have a lot of get up and go. Some of that comes from the nine speed automatic transmission, uh, but Mercedes has tuned this thing right. Uh, it's not extremely roomy inside, but it's a C series Mercedes, so it's a smaller version of the E series, and, and Mercedes really has put a lot of the E series, which is the bigger Mercedes into the C-Series. You really feel it in this car. By the way, the engine is a mild hybrid, so I don't know exactly how long it'll go on just pure electric power. Not far. It's not really advertised or or built as, a, as you know, the traditional hybrid uh, that you think about, but it still has, you know, enough there that it'll get you somewhere. As far as uh, the interior, and the exterior, great lines. They did a, re, a reboot of this car last year. And uh, it's just, uh, it's your standard. I mean, you can tell it's a Mercedes a mile away. You don't make a mistake it for anything else. But one of the great things with this car is that they made it kind of like a mini-me uh, E-series. So the, the, the big Mercedes and the little Mercedes look more alike than I think maybe they ever have uh, in the last 20 years, they really look good. This car is loaded with options. Uh, as I said, it has the voice control. It has the uh, M, 
Buck's system uh, for navigation, uh, surround sound, uh, augmented video for navigation, has a great heads-up display that you look. I mean, really, there's, there's not too many flaws in this car, or if there are, I just haven't found them yet. I haven't taken it out on uh, a road trip. I'll be doing that today and getting a uh, an idea uh, a little bit more of the character of this car, uh, get it out on the uh, on the road course and just uh, kind of see how this thing goes. But so far in the couple of days that I've been driving it around the city, uh, the car uh, has uh, been a pleasure to drive. Uh, you know, I guess it's like all of these uh, cars with all this high tech in it. Uh, you know, it takes a little getting used to. Instead of uh, buttons and switches, it has the... Uh, you know, the touch buttons, very light touch uh, does the trick. Uh, if you push it hard, sometimes they don't they don't respond right away. They don't feel it right away. Uh, so, uh, you know, you have that little, and I don't think it's a flaw. It's just what you're used to. And I still miss the days of the, uh, you know, the 55 Chevy with the cable that you would push, you know, the lever you would push down. I'm a levers, buttons and levers guy. I like, you know, pull, push, push the button, uh, you know, twist the knob for the wipers. I, I like that. I like all of that stuff. Uh, another thing I really like about the C300 is that it has a column shifter. It brings back the, uh, and, and, and Mercedes has had this for a while, uh, the gear shift selector is on the column. And uh, you want to call it a throwback. You want to call it whatever you want to call it. Uh, I like it there. I think it's um, it's something that uh, we've kind of gotten away from uh, for most manufacturers. But Mercedes brought it back a number of years ago. And I just think it works, uh, works fine. And it's nice to have the um, gear shift a little bit away from everything else. And they've made it safe enough because Mercedes is really uh, very hip on safety. They've made it safe enough so that when you get in the car, you have to do a couple of little things to get it to go into drive. So if you're used to driving something with windshield wipers there, you don't think you turn it on the windshield wipers and throw the car into reverse uh, by accident. You don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to do that if you can help it. Uh, because that just creates, uh, you know, problems for you. So that's what I'm driving this week. The 2022 C300 4Matic sedan with the AMG line and um, the uh, uh, mild hybrid and the uh, dynamic select drive system. So we'll have a full review on it for you next week. Uh, but uh, certainly if you see me driving around in this beautiful blue car, Wave and say hello. Say, yo, Vinny, is that what you're driving this week? <laughs> Nathan, how'd I do? Much better than I ever could. Uh, now you, you're an up-and-coming star. Okay, let's um, let's head down and find out the big auto show, the final swing of the year in auto shows, and a year that has seen a lot of change in the auto show industry. We just had our auto show here last week. Uh, at the Lumenfield Event Center, and that was a, a blast to go down there and talk to people and, and see people uh, out looking at cars again. But the L.A. Auto Show is uh, one of the big kahunas. You know, you got the New York, the uh, Detroit, and the L.A. Uh, you know, it's the, 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 you know, the center of uh, the automotive culture in Los Angeles, although... You know, many some some will argue with that, but traditionally, it's the center of automotive culture. Many manufacturers have design studios down there, and so they bring out the stuff to show off. And um, my good friend and uh, one of the people who crank out the stories and reviews for U.S. News and World Report. Matter of fact, I think if you write anything for U.S. News and World Report, their cause it's got to go through. Uh, their, I, I believe, managing editor, John Vincent, who uh, joins us this fine Saturday morning. John, how are you? I think we uh, I think we have you there somewhere. There we go. Hello, John. Good morning. How are you, pal? 
I am good. How are you? I'm here. I'm alive. So two out of three ain't bad, you know? <laughs> now, are you back from L.A.? I flew back late last night, yeah. Uh, so, oh, thank you for doing this, man. How uh, how was uh, the L.A. show as far as uh, people and just general atmospheres? Is, is the auto show business back again, or is it still struggling? It's, you know, I think it's still struggling. Uh, it was a good show, but there were basically three major debuts. Um, you know, back in back in the day, there would be, you know, 15 or 20. Um, the three that we had, though, were very good. Um, I guess you could call it four if you include uh, the Genesis concept. So let's call it four. Right. That That seemed to be the big buzz at the show, wasn't it? The Genesis convertible? That car is drop-dead gorgeous. It's fantastic. Um, Genesis has been knocking it out of the park for a few years now, and this is just, you know, another step. Yeah, it, it really is um, so good to see them succeed in this because they, they put out a quality product. I don't know if um, if people realize sometimes what a, a, a quality car a Genesis is. I mean, you, you know, they're around. Now, certainly they were the Hyundai Genesis before that, a model, but they broke that off into a separate division. And their quality and what they have put out is um, as forward thinking and as good quality as I'll put them up against BMW, put them up against Acura, put them up against anybody right now. Absolutely. And besides that quality, they have the best warranty in the business. And, you know, you don't offer that warranty unless you really don't need it. Uh, but it will cover the powertrain for 10 years or 100,000 miles. Which grows out of uh, the Hyundai, which uh, was, I think, the original one with that 10-year, uh, when they had the troubles, I don't know, probably about 15 years ago, right? They uh, Hyundai and uh, its sister division, Kia, um, also have that warranty. Yeah. it's uh, So what be now, besides the way that the, the car looked, uh, it's electric convertible, two gorgeous car. I mean, they, they showed, I think, the model in white, if I'm not mistaken. And a very nice white. Yeah, it was just, it was stunning. It, it jumped out of the pictures at you. Was was it that it was electric that added a lure to it, or just the fact that it was just uh, another well-designed car by Genesis? I think it was that it was another really well-designed car by Genesis. It, you know, there are a lot of retro, elegant touches that you might have seen on a Rolls-Royce. Um, the the back end of the car is is stunning. Um, it's a new look at their signature lighting signature uh, signature lighting signature. Um, the two uh, the two illuminated bars that they use they use it in a different way that uh, that just really works well. It's amazing to me. I, I mean, we we went from a period not so long ago where everything was starting to look the same. And all of a sudden with electric cars, and this is, of course, probably, I mean, more than likely because you, you had, don't have the same constraints that you have to design a, a gasoline car. Uh, it, it just seems like the stylist, uh, uh, the, the, um, the, the people that put flair into these cars have kind of taken over a little bit with this electrification. I was, uh, I was chatting on that exact topic with the head of design for Lucid. And um, ask the question, do you have to design a car today? Now, now that the constraints are off because they're electric and you can do a whole lot. Do you have to, is your constraint what you can do or is your constraint what the consumer will accept? And it's really what the consumer will accept because the consumer has an idea in their mind of what they expect a car to look like. And so you can't push them too far, even though you can with electrics. Yeah, it's interesting because when you come out with something that's different, it usually meets uh, a lot of resistance. I mean, you know, e.g. E the Tesla pickup truck. I mean, people looked at that and they, you know, some people loved it. A lot of people ridiculed it. A lot of people looked and said, well, how is this practical? I mean, if you buy a truck, you're looking for number one practicality. And this thing looks like it's a lunar rover or something like that. Uh, but yet, 
it, you know, I, I had to applaud it at least for doing something that wasn't the same formula that we've seen in pickup trucks for so long. At some point, that formula has to change or at least has to evolve into something else. I don't know if the Tesla is what it's going to evolve in, but because that truck is electric, it gives the designers um, a lot of different ways that they can go to um, to design a truck. Yep, and a lot of extreme capabilities with a very small power plant. Yeah. Uh, people don't realize that, you know, four little motors do a lot and give you a lot of room to do things with a, a pencil and, a, and some lines that you might not be able to do if you have to figure out where do I put the radiator, where do I put the, you know, the, the brake, you know, this, that, the other thing. It, it changes the dynamic a lot. What, um, besides wonderful looking Genesis, is there, were, were there any... Uh, previews or, or or did anybody show off um an average american i'm going to go out and buy this and put it in my driveway kind of car well two uh the new impreza which is um a, it looks like a great um great update for that car um the tech is better um the rs is back which is kind of a wrx light uh, bigger engine Impreza. Uh, unfortunately, the manual transmission Impreza is gone. But right. uh, nobody was buying it anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, but the biggest news of the show was the new Prius, which is very much not like a Prius. Looked uh, like a Tesla look, almost. <laughs> it looks better, and it gets better fuel economy. If you, if, you know, if you can imagine that. Plus, it has seventy more horsepower was 121 it's now up in the 190s if you buy the plug-in prime you get 220 220 horsepower in a prius i mean they'll still have to fall in, plane in washington but uh but they won't have to it, you know it, it it's i mean maybe this is crazy but why didn't don't they go or didn't they go full electric with the prius is that because they have plans for a different line of cars that's going to go full electric? So it's it's going to be like this BRZ thing that we will beat whatever B four nine. It looks like a postal code in Canada. Okay, so here's the explanation for that. The sub brand of Toyota is going to be called BZ for Beyond Zero, and then there's going to be a number that's kind of the size, and then there's going to be another letter that kind of defines the body style. So the BZ four X is the beyond zero compact sport utility uh-huh okay and if you have to explain that you've already done something wrong yeah see that's the thing you know just call it a uh a, 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 an impala you know i mean just you it's know come not like it. toyota doesn't have some good names in their heritage that they, they can pull out but yeah and they and they already just did it with the crown right, right. I mean, they went back into their history and they they pick out, they pulled out some some really great names. Mm -hmm. and, um, Maybe not the Corona. Maybe they don't want to bring the Corona back. But uh, yeah, I, you know, Corona wasn't a horrible car. It was actually pretty yeah, good. But the name has kind of a stigma at this point. Yeah, that, that's true. I guess, and I guess, you know, we have a nostalgia for the names because we were around. If you're 22 years old and going out to buy your first car and you say Corona to somebody, they think it's a virus. You know, right. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, there's some names I guess you got to stay away from, right? Yeah, there's Cressida, there's, you know, Crown is back. Um, they have some great stuff back there. And the Prius, uh, the Prius, the way it was or, or is, the new Prius, uh, looks stunning. I mean, it, it, when you got in the car, does it keep that? that? Because um, I always thought Prius was a better looking car on the inside than it was on the outside. Uh, the interior was fully functional. And did, did they keep, were they able to keep that as well? Well, it's a full re redesign on the interior as well. A new steering wheel, a new tech um their new infotainment system which is much better than the infotainment in the current prius it's uh it's improved in every way and it's still a relatively inexpensive um car or it's price is probably going up but uh it's still a relatively inexpensive car it shows on the interior but it's you know it's better than a lot of them out there yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's, I mean, an immensely popular car, too, in all of its configurations. Uh, I'm sure that uh, that the folks at Toyota, and I guess the only question is, are they going to be able to build it? Are they going to have enough parts around uh, to put this thing together and get it out on the street? By the time it, it uh, debuts, they should have, uh, have, we should be further along the, the road of getting out of the part shortages, we hope. Well, and we're talking to John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, their car, great car section, which I always suggest if you're out looking for a car or you're thinking about buying a car, you should check the uh, the uh, U.S. News and World Report cars out because they have great information. They look at a lot of people's reviews, not just their own, and put some great information up there uh, for you. Um, what else knocked you out at this show? Is there anything else that really kind of uh, – I know you were coming off the Seattle show and you were blown away by that, uh, but <laughs> – <laughs> there were actually quite a few cars at the Seattle Auto Show that uh, I had not seen before. It was interesting this year in that they had stuff, uh, and I don't know how it, it worked, because usually they have one car maybe that you have, but they had, uh, I mean, they had a, a bar, hadn't seen the Hornet before, the Dodge Hornet, hadn't mm-hmm. seen the Blazer or the... Um, the Blazer EV. Dodge. The Blazer EV, the electric Blazer yeah, the, and the electric yeah, the EV Blazer, which I thought was maybe... One of the best looking electric cars I've seen. It uh, it looks nice. It really does. A, a red interior. When's the last time you saw a bright red interior in a car? Uh, last week. Ah, okay. Well, you went the LA auto. <laughs> <laughs> what about trucks? I mean, I know that you know America still has this love affair with trucks. We've gotten some new trucks along the way. The Hummer is uh, you know was here. Uh, the new Hummer EV. Um, did you see anything down there in trucks that kind of uh, got you excited? LA is not a big truck market. Um, they, you just don't see them being introduced to that show. Um, that said, I saw some new trucks that are uh, coming out that I hadn't seen in the metal before. Um, the new um, Chevy Colorado, which um, looks like a huge improvement from the last mm-hmm. generation, which was getting pretty pretty old. Uh, the new Chevy electric truck, which um, it's still a little ways away, but uh, that truck looks fantastic. It's, it's kind of the reincarnation of the avalanche. Um, right. And um, we're, we'll see that um, more about that next year, uh, but with the trucks coming in 2024 mainly. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, that's a truck that's almost, in fact, I think it's sold out already, even for what the, uh, for what they're, um, well, you know, they all are. They all are. So they just have to mention that they're coming out with a truck and they're gone. Yeah. It's, it's the, so the other car that was instantly gone is Porsche showed the new 911 Dakar. And that is an off road version of the 911, if you can imagine that. I can imagine anything these days. Uh, you know, we're living in an age where you just, what you don't expect to happen happens. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, I don't know if it's post nine, uh, uh, excuse me, post pandemic, but there seems to be a, a, a movement in the automotive business to build cars and sell cars that get you away from it all, whether it be a sedan uh, or a car, you know, they'll, they'll slap some stickers on it, a roof rack and tell you they'll take you up to the top of Kilimanjaro, mm-hmm. if you believe them. Um some of them are more show than go, but it's surprising the manufacturers who are actually putting uh, the go into these cars that, that enable you to take a car like that. And, and, and I don't know if you want to take it up to the top of a mountain, but certainly get off the beaten path with it a little bit. The, the, uh, the American consumer is funny that way, and they don't necessarily want to give up the things that they would have to give up to have a car that can truly do that but they want a car that looks like it can. Um, the new pilot, uh, new Honda Pilot uh, Trail Sport is kind of interesting because um, unlike the last Trail Sport models they've had with a Passport, the new Pilot uh, Trail Sport actually has some extra capabilities and can get a little bit further um, off the highway uh, than a lot of SUVs, which you know that's great to see, especially here in the Northwest. 
because you want to be able to, you know, head off those forest service roads, you go hiking for the weekend, come back, it's rained. That road is a whole lot different going out than it was coming in. And right. these trucks can, these trucks and SUVs can handle them with that, with ease. Is there much talk about, uh, you know, the, the transaction price on cars is just going through the roof. I think the last I saw it was around average around 46,000 bucks somewhere in that neighborhood. Is there any talk among manufacturers about uh, less expensive models? Uh, you know, uh, because I mean, right now your car payments $500 a month and I don't know how many people can afford that, but it's getting it more and more tough for somebody to get into a new car. Yeah, and we've seen a, a, a fantastic um, new, less expensive model in this last year with the Ford Maverick. Right, fantastic truck. Um, as much pickup truck as you know, most suburban um, owners need. Uh, just a really well put together truck. Um, but the profits at the high end, and automakers know that. And if they can only build so many units. They're going to build the high end where there's the most profit. It's just, you know, what they have to do. Yeah. Um, the, the conundrum in the industry right now is new car prices are starting to soften a little bit just because the part shortage is getting a little bit more in control. But as those come down, the light at the end of the tunnel are interest rates. And any additional affordability you get with a lower price is going to be consumed by higher interest rates on your car loan. Yeah. So they're going to get you one way or the other. I mean, one way or the other, that, that, that price, it's still going to cost you. And that 46 is an average price. But if you're looking to go out and buy a cheap car, um, you're not going to find much under 30 grand uh, out there right now. Yeah. There are still a couple under 20. Uh, not a lot. Um, there are some in the high 20s, some fairly good stuff in the high 20s. But if you want the latest everything, you're looking in the 30s, mid 30s. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, you know, it's like I say, going to the ball game. You know, people go to a, a, complain about it. it cost me $400 to go to a baseball game. Well, yeah. If you buy the food there, or if you buy the, you know, the souvenirs and everything, you can go to a ball game for, you know, 25 or 30 bucks if you're willing to go and not buy everything you see. And I guess that's probably uh, part of the equation. I mean, if you can, you know, buy a car without, the big entertainment system and this and that and the other thing, maybe, uh, you know, you can keep the price down. It just so happens that people see that stuff and they want it. And it jacks the price up. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and another issue is that, um, you know, pre-pandemic, the, the used car market was flooded. You could go out and find any car you wanted, you know, spend a weekend and you could get the exact car you wanted. It's a lot tougher out there now. Um, there aren't as many used cars. You have to settle a lot more um, when it comes to model and equipment and color. Uh, it, it's an interesting place. It, it really is. And things are going to get better, but it's going to take a while. Well, you know, John, it's there's two to me. There's a couple of different revolutions going on because you have this transition in the uh, hardware part of the business, which is from gasoline to alternative fuels, whether it be electric or hydrogen or, or whatever we're going to see. But you also have, uh, and it's not getting as much publicity among consumers, uh, this, this tectonic shift in the way you buy a car. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know if people realize it because maybe they haven't gone out, but this thing is, you know, Tesla not only forced people into making electric cars, but now forces people into a situation where uh, the, well, I wouldn't say Tesla did it, but they came up with a model that said, you don't have to go through the abuse of the dealership. You don't have to go through that experience. Just go online, order the car. It was really the Apple model more than anything else to say, go on, order it and go pick it up. And, um, you know, the dealer will serve less of a sales function and more of a service function. Uh, service and delivery function. Uh, I 
I think that the future is somewhere in between because you can you can buy uh, an iPhone without needing to test drive it. You don't want to buy a car without test driving it. Yeah. And that's hard to do with that built to order, go online, mail order, basically, process. Yeah, you still have to have a, a mechanism where you go and get in one and drive it and see if you know if you're if you're like my producer Nathan, he's six, you know, six six, I think. Uh, you know, he's gonna want to make sure he fits in a car before he spends fifty thousand uh, dollars online to have a truck pull up at his house with a car that doesn't fit him. Exactly. Exactly. So, so and, you know, that is the strength of auto shows. Yeah, it's yeah, but they all kind of try to get away, it looks like from you know, this kind of traditional auto dealer, uh, um, you know, the hot room, uh, you know, where you, you're in a, in the guy telling you, what do I got to do to put you in this car today? It seems like uh, Ford might be leading the way in that respect. I think Ford's going to give it a shot. Um, a lot of the startups are just skipping dealers altogether, uh, following the Tesla model. It's, um, Dealer franchise laws uh, are very protective of the current system we have. So it'll be interesting to see how the two coexist. Uh, Tesla is doing some interesting things in the Southwest where they're putting their dealerships on uh, Indian reservations where state dealer franchise laws do not apply. Well, Elon Musk, he's always thinking of something, isn't he? <laughs> you go to the casino, you buy your car. If you can't win it, well, we'll send you home with one anyway. <laughs> we'll get your money somehow. Oh, man. John, it's good to, good to talk to you, man. Before we let you go, what um, what was the, the biggest buzz down there besides just the cause? Was there any, any like kind of industry talk, something that hit you as, wow, I didn't, uh, I didn't know this, and now that I'm in L.A., uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hit me that this is going to be reality? Well, walking into the LA Convention Center and the first six displays that you walk by are either electric cars or chargers before you see a gasoline powered vehicle. Wow. Uh, that's, you know, 95% of the cars sold in America are still gasoline powered, but the switch has been turned. And we're at that tipping point where, you know, our future is electric and we just, press the accelerator a whole lot. You know, I did a seminar earlier this week uh, with uh, IMPO, which is another association that I'm a member of from back East. And they did a whole thing on the, uh, you know, the infrastructure and how this is uh, gonna, you know, affect us and everything. And, and you know, they, they got to do, if they want to sell these cars and this, it seems like they're selling, but they got to do something with the infrastructure. Yes. And there are a lot of challenges there. Um, one of them is it's a whole lot easier to own an electric car if you own a house in the suburbs and can put a charger in. Yeah. If you're in an apartment or in any kind of multifamily housing, condos, it's tougher to do. And that that creates a massive equity problem. Um, the prices of these cars, you know, not everybody can buy an electric car. They're extremely expensive comparatively still. The, the divide is coming down, but um, it's still there. And there just aren't that many used electric cars out there to buy. So yeah. dealing with the equity side of things is going to be a challenge. Well, you know, it's funny. People, I think, are going to hold on to electric cars more because there's less that goes wrong with them. I mean, you know, you, you have a, I mean, the battery obviously is going to wear over time, but you don't have, uh, you know, a million engine parts that something can go wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably uh, these are cars that are going to last you longer. And, you know, you're not going to feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm coming close to 100,000 miles. I got to get rid of this thing before something goes wrong. Okay. I, let me challenge you with something. Okay. Do you need a new iPhone every year or does your iPhone still work? Oh, you go and buy it purely because you, you want to get the latest one. So look at how fast the electric car market is advancing. 
are you going to buy a new car in two years because it's you know a whole generation newer than you know your last one are you going to start buying cars like we buy phones just because you want the newest shiniest well yes and no because if i'm buying an iphone you know i'm spending a thousand bucks let's say which is you know a lot of coin but it's a thousand bucks if i got to go lay fifty thousand or sixty thousand out uh for something uh, you know that's that that's on a different plane than, than the iphone i mean i know what you're saying but it just seems to me that that's a purchase that i know already i'm not i'm gonna make it once every 10 years uh you know if i can stretch it that long we're an iphone yeah, okay, you know, it's got a better camera. All right, I'll go out and buy one if it's uh, if the the camera is better. So I don't know if if I, I don't know if people are gonna look they they might well. We're raising a generation of people who throw stuff away and you know I think the market is gonna be healthier if people do that because it's gonna create a used car market for use for electric cars. If Which people are keeping them for 10 years, then it's the adoption of electric cars is going to stretch out for a long, long time. But if people are keeping them for only a couple of years, two or three years, it's good. The adoption is going to happen much faster because we're going to have a healthy used car ecosystem. And I think in places like middle America, where, the, where these cars aren't a lot in a lot of showrooms yet, there's going to be this healthy market for these one and two and three year old electric cars to take them into middle America uh, places like Milwaukee, Kansas City, and and you know places where you can't go into a dealer and and buy an electric car. You know people forget that a lot of these electric cars are only available on the coast or in the Southwest um, or in Florida. You know it's not something you can go into a showroom in um, Minneapolis, let's say, uh, or Milwaukee, and readily get. I mean you can get one if if you know if you if you finagle a bagel a little bit, but it's not something that's uh, easily accessible there. And yet people there um, are, are seeing the success. The price of gas is expensive. They want to try to get in on the, on the electric car deal too. And the easiest way for them to access uh, them right now is to buy a used one. Yep. The other thing to remember is that electric cars are not Swiss army knives. There is no electric car for every use. Right. Um, if you need to tow a fifth wheel or a thousand mile, a fifth wheel trailer for a thousand miles, an electric car to do that does not exist today. Right. Um, it will, uh, but we're still in the you know maybe Model A era of electric cars, but probably still in the Model T era. Um, we're just at the cusp of this. It's going to change solid state batteries which you'll start to see in a few years are going to make charging faster ranges longer and you're going to look at the tesla model s plaid and go wow that thing's ancient <laughs> it'll be like if you got a collection of vinyl and a record player you know it's a, oh yeah that's how i listened to uh you know uh, the bob seeger band or something like that and it's like you know, you know, i saw one of those in a museum somewhere it's a, it, it really is an exciting time. We picked uh, we we picked a perfect time to uh, to be people that observe this industry because it is changing. It's never boring. Uh, there's there's just a, a ton of of stuff going on. John, it's always good to see you, man. Yeah, great uh, to see you as well. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Always happy to be on the show, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And hope to see you real soon in person. Yep. All right, John. John Vincent joining us. Thank you, John. Thank uh, you. John Vincent joining us here on Drive Time Radio, uh, of course, from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, cars, you can see his stuff there, and also our uh, illustrious president of NOAPA, which is the Northwest Automotive Press Association, uh, which is uh, an organization that I have belonged to for years and does a great job with keeping uh, journalists in the uh in the northwest informed and uh, happening and uh, making sure that we get the latest information that we need to do our jobs all right time now for the um for the cartoon that's right it's the saturday morning cartoon we talked just a minute ago about 
the Bob Seeger band. Well, guess what? They have our cartoon this morning. Uh, here's a, a little ditty about the Fort Thunderbird. There you go, the Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band and Making Thunderbirds from 1982. The album is The Distance and uh, Bob, a Detroit guy. So it uh, seems only natural that he would sing about uh, Making Thunderbirds. You know, there's actually a bunch of songs out there in, in researching uh, cartoons uh, for our Saturday morning cartoon. A ton of songs out there uh, about um Detroit and working at the assembly line and all of that kind of stuff from all the way back in the twenties and the thirties, uh, you know, right on to, um, you know, the, the present day, uh, there's, uh, and, and we'll, we'll work through them as, uh, as, as we go along with drive time, but who knows, maybe the, uh, United Auto Workers Union ought to put a, you know, a big thing out there, uh, an album of, uh, working on the line songs. Uh, this is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. Thank you so much for coming along uh, off on the ride with us this fine Saturday morning. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my, uh, <laughs> my... I went to look at the clock, and the clock just went DOA on me. So um, I had to, uh, you know, sometimes you have to kind of look at it close, but there's a light in my clock, and a light went out. Couldn't see it. Happens sometimes. Um, quick, uh, you know, every once in a while, I run into a, a car-related movie uh, that I see, and um, you know, I like to turn you on to it. And I was watching, um, was it Netflix? Yeah, I think it was Netflix. Uh, and I ran across a, a really cool little movie that, if you're looking for something uh, to you know, kind of keep your your automotive mind occupied. Or when the weather gets cold out, you're sitting around looking for something to uh, to uh, check out movie wise uh, that has to do with cars. Um, I I saw a, a, a and again I didn't know anything about this movie until I saw it, uh, but this was a documentary, and I believe, like I said, it's on. Netflix called Boys of Bonneville Racing on a Ribbon of Salt. And it's on it's on a lot of the services. I think you can rent it for four dollars or something like that. Uh, but it was just a um a great job by the uh by the people who put this thing together. It's narrated by Patrick Dempsey. Uh, has a bunch of people you know in it. Uh, Jay Leno is 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 most prominently uh, featured in this um, in this uh, movie, and it's about the people who first won out and set the um, land speed records out at Bonneville. And it's uh, it's just the story of uh, this racer, Ab Jenkins, and his family and his cars. That was the first guy to set land speed records out at Bonneville in an old uh, Hupmobile, which is a car that was around in the 20s and 30s. And just a fascinating piece of history about a piece of land that I have been fascinated with for a long time. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but last year we actually did the show live from the Bonneville Salt Flats. It, it is sacred ground. Um, I think that the Native American population considered it to be sacred uh, well before cars came along. And once cars came along, people looked at it as a place where you could go. And uh, it was wide open enough and had a, a, a great enough surface with the salt uh, that you could attain speeds in cars that were somewhat unthinkable, uh, except that maybe in a place like Indianapolis. In Indianapolis, of course, you had the other cars and you had a turn and, and you know, but this was just flat out straight uh, land with great visibility for miles and miles and miles and miles. And Ab Jenkins won out there with his various cars a very interesting character. 
And it takes you through the history of, of Jenkins, who was actually elected mayor of Salt Lake City at one point. That's how popular this guy was in the, the, the 30s and the 40s. And, uh, you know, it had his family in it. It told the story of the cars, uh, told his story. Uh, and uh, the, the name of the car was the uh, Mormon Meteor. And uh, it was... And it appears uh, we're getting a little bit of... Oh, there we go. We're back. We got it? Okay. <laughs> See, I told you, it's a, weird, it's a weird electricity day today. But anyway, a great, you know, great um, uh, movie. Well worth your time. You can watch it with the kids. It's a great father and son story in there as well. Uh, I was just really touched by this movie. So, again, The Boys of Bonneville... Racing on a Ribbon of Salt is the name of the documentary. It's an hour and a half, and it uh, put out in 2011. And I think it's a movie worth your time. I think it's something that you should, uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking for something to watch some night and you come across that, you could do yourself a lot worse than watching this movie. All right, let's do our, uh, our patented drive-time road test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, we got a beautiful one this week. The 2023 Land Rover Defender 110 uh, V8 is the car that uh, we were lucky enough to drive uh, this past week. And, uh, you know, listen, Land Rover, uh, they will go through anything. Uh, over Brook, over the else. Not often that you get in a car and it has a uh, control for fording streams on it, but the uh, the Land Rover Defender does. These things are used all over Africa, all over uh, the Serengeti, any place where you have to go through stuff to get somewhere. The Land Rover is uh, the one that people go uh, uh, go pick out. Now, uh, the Defender was the SUV of the year, I believe, like a year ago. Uh, uh, with uh, a couple of the magazines, and it was easy getting into this thing uh, to see why. Now, this, of course, is a uh, a marriage of luxury because there's just every kind of luxury option you can think of and practicality. Uh, I took this thing up to the top of uh, a mountain out by Lake Kitches, which has become my favorite place to test these types of cars, and it snowed the night before, and it was, I mean, this thing ate the snow up like it was nothing, man. It was all the way up to the top of the mountain. Didn't feel like I was going to get stuck. Uh, felt Just felt like you put this thing into, into four-wheel drive low and you could go over almost anything. Um, and, and that's great because we know that Land Rover has that quality about it. We know about the luxury. We even know about the refrigerator in the center console, which I can tell you, wins me over all the time. But we, uh, you know, it's where they bring in the luxury that really counts. Now, I know we're going to go away for our radio audience, but if you're on uh, Facebook or YouTube, stick around for a couple of minutes because we'll give you uh, the rest of the review. But the Land Rover I drove, 111300 bucks, and it was a gem. If you're looking for something that'll go through a brick wall, the Land Rover Defender is it. Thank you so much for listening on radio to Drive Time. We'll catch up with you uh, next week if the Lord's will and the creek don't rise.